Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Has he dropped out again? Are you kidding me? Are you actually kidding me? So funny. I cannot believe you dropped out every single time. It's Saturday, which means it's time for the front three with me, Adam Bolt, with the one and only Lawrence McKenna. Saturday. And Dave O'Brien, he's out and about today, doing a Lawrence McKenna himself. Yeah, you know, try and see what Lawrence is like, see what his life is like, you know, go out. (laughs) See what his life is like, leave the house. Where are you, Dave? Dave, what's it like? What's it like when you leave the house, Dave? What's it like? It's it's pretty strange, you know, I don't know how to feel, to be honest, lads. Yeah, yeah. Dave, where where are you and what are you doing? Yeah, we've got a Mediterranean breakfast. Oh, no. I'm having a great time. Bit of halloumi, bit of halloumi. Dave's in Tesco. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, guys, (laughs) thank you very much for listening. We are here to answer your questions. been flooding in on Twitter. First up, very relevant. Edwin Marr. Like the beans. Says El Clasico predictions. Today is the big one, guys. Barcelona versus Real Madrid. Dave, Barcelona are on a 39 game unbeaten run in all competitions. Incredible stuff. But Madrid, unbeaten in March, scored 16 goals in five games, something like that. I mean, it's, it's a good time for these teams to be facing each other, both on form. It really is. You know, we've seen since Zidane's come in that. Um, when he's had a big test after like Madrid, that he lost that game. This is massive. This is to sort of push forward in the Champions League, whether you know whether Madrid can do it or not, whether they can be competitive at that top level. I think Barcelona at the moment they look superior. You know the players all look on form right now. You look at that front three, they're banging form in 2016. Suarez is a top assister in the league, and Messi's a top goal scorer. Neymar's having a bit of a quiet time at the moment. I was, I was a bit critical of his um, defensive work against uh, Arsenal in the Champions League. Wasn't really tracking back and making that sort of bank of four to make Barcelona difficult to break down. But it's going to be really interesting. This game's going to be fascinating. You know, who who starts from Madrid in midfield is a big, big question that Zidane's going to have to answer and sort of, you know, get it right. Because if he gets it wrong, this could be another absolute pacing. It's going to be interesting to see how he sets up, as you said there, because obviously they were comprehensively beaten last time. It'll be interesting to see if he can do any better than old Rafa. But it's, it's a weird one, Lawrence, because... Uh, Madrid are 10 points behind Barcelona now, I think. And, you know, even if they win this one, that gap is still so substantial that you'd say that the title race is almost over. So it's almost, they're not really playing for the title necessarily, but there is, you know, obviously that pride element, maybe even to just finish above Atletico is what Madrid are aiming for. Yeah, I also think it's just a a yardstick, I think, for this side. They sort of see it as, like they've said, you know, a test of what the manager's going to do. And like you're alluding to better than Rafa Benitez, at least. Um, I mean, no, but that's—I mean—that's a realistic goal for them this season. I also think, it, you know, looking at that Barcelona side and the way that they've taken other teams apart, if Zidane plays it wrong, then they have the potential to have another five-nil because, you know, it's not like that defense have been the fantastic part of this uh, Real Madrid side of any recent season. You know. It, in, in terms of uh, in, in terms of being solid against Barcelona, so what I'm going to say is I think uh, th- three two three two Barcelona because I think because obviously the free scoring on both both ends, but it's Busquets is just going to control. I think if they just managed to cut off that midfield, like if you can cut off Cruz, Modric, and uh, Casemiro, 
like like Rafa didn't have in his last game, then it's a different game. The BBC are back, so um, I am expecting okay. Madrid goals. I'm going to go for two all. I think it's going to be an entertaining draw. Um, I think Madrid have kind of got a little bit of form behind them, but we'll see. Uh, Dave, what are you going that for? That ruins the video preview that you did with Kristen, doesn't it? Because now everyone knows. <laughs> now everyone knows. Sorry, guys. Uh, Dave, what's your, uh, what's your prediction? Well, I think, Adam, you've stolen my scoreline because I think I gave that first before you um, on the TFR preview. But, yeah, yeah, of course it was, mate. No, I think it's going to be a fascinating game. I think Tony Cruz is going to be absolutely vital. Casemiro, like you mentioned before, we've seen for Real Madrid this season, when he's played for Real Madrid, they've won 82% of the games compared to when he hasn't played, they've only won 46% of the games. So he's absolutely crucial to this sort of Zinedine Zidane revolution. It was interesting in the first Clasico, you know, there's rumours going around that um, Florentino Perez stopped Benitez playing Casemiro in the first leg. Exactly. Uh, the first leg, sorry, the first game, which was crazy. No, again, president power in that club is ridiculous. But Zidane looks like he's steadied the ship. It's going to be interesting to see the link up with Ronaldo and Benzema. They've been linking very well of late. Obviously, Hamez out the side now, bail in. So I think this Real Madrid team's got goals, and I think they just need to. The transition needs to be a lot better than we've seen in recent Clasicos, where you know the. They didn't defend well at all. We've seen Bale defend recently quite well. So if they can sort of maybe move him to the left, put Ronaldo maybe up top, and it could be interesting to see Benzema in and out of the side. Tony Cruz is going to be big where he plays. I'd probably play him at attacking midfield to sort of link. Maybe play in that space behind Sergio Busquets or maybe drop in and complement the midfield. But it's, I think it's got to be a two of Modric, Casemiro holding, and then Tony Cruz sort of in that free role. Whether he wants to be close to the striker, he wants to be close to the midfield. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see his positioning if Zidane does go for that. But the, they need to they need to work hard together. They almost need to play a little bit like what Rafa Benitez would want, would want them to sort Are of set up. Are you fucking kidding a, me? A four four one one system. I've said this before. It's Benitez would have been perfect perfect at Madrid if he got his ideas across the players and the players had absorbed that. The issue is that you have the player power and the you know certain players Present not power. really. Yeah, you know, there's there's a big problem there. But I feel if they set up that way, then they can win this classico. If they can play on the counter attack and hit Barcelona down the flanks, you know, and sit deep and, and break well, then they've got a, a, a really good chance of winning the game. But I just feel it's going to be, I think Madrid might score first and then Barcelona will come back into the game and then a late Madrid equaliser. Really boils my blood what they did to Rafa. Like that, oh, just doesn't, you don't need to treat people like that. And and now that now that Zidane's come in and they get, everyone's going, oh, it's a revolution with Casemiro. Rafa must be sitting there like, are you kidding? <laughs> it's it's a weird one, Madrid. I mean, we spoke about it, we, we spoke about it when Rafa got sacked, and we, you know, we've spoken about it before about how the problems are bigger than the manager of the club, and the way it's run sort of limits the amount of success they can have. And you, you sort of look at this season and domestically again, they're underperforming. You have to say, and I think if they won, is it three league titles in the last ten years? And you feel like for the amount of money they spent and the the, the stature of the club, it should be more they should be on a par with Barcelona and they're just not really um, so it will be interesting to see how this one uh, goes and if you know if Madrid can sort of get you know just the bragging rights at least even if they can't win the, the, the league this year today uh, they can win but it doesn't sound like we have much faith in them uh, in winning this one um, on with the rest of the questions wait, wait did you say three league titles in 10 years something like that isn't it yeah even even that sounds like quite a lot doesn't it <laughs> I mean it, that's the thing it's not uh, it's not a disgrace by any means but when you see, I think Barcelona. Isn't it? Isn't it? No, it's not a disgrace, but I'm saying they've simply failed to match the success of Barcelona. Although they've had success, and of course the Decima uh, was obviously an important trophy for them. It feels like they, they, they can't match up to the even more success of Barcelona, and they should be able to, I feel like. 
Well, what I, what I do find funny is this kind of the, the, the marketing of both clubs is so defined and both of them are sort of everyone sees Barcelona as this sort of organic, rich, um, you know, like almost creamy side. And everyone's like, oh, it's so, it's so beautiful. You know, it's so natural. And then they see Real Madrid as the kind of, you know, the big money men. Mm. But what Barcelona have done is actually very close to what Florentino Perez laid out as the Galactico model. Well, yeah, they've sort of brought in. in those superstars every year now. And we saw Suarez. Brought in, brought in a, one superstar every year alongside the, the, the academy guys. But I so think there's a, there's a much smarter, you know, as well as doing that, yeah, the, as you say, the academy guys come through and there's much smarter recruitment, I think. You know, Rakitic, of course, is uh, an incredible player. Of course, and it was a smart acquisition. It doesn't feel like the sort of signing that uh, Madrid would necessarily make. Well, it, well it's also that I think uh, you know, if you'd have put maybe, uh, I think Iniesta himself or Xavi, Xavi or Iniesta, one of the two have been quoted as saying, you know, if I was in this Real Madrid team, I'd be a distinctly average player, mm. or I, I would never have gotten the chance to fulfil my uh, my full potential. And you sort of feel the same, you know, if, if Real Madrid had signed Suarez, what kind of player would he be? If they'd signed Rakitic, would he have been a different kind of player? And he would have been because he'd been stuck, you know, in a sort of a halfway house, if you like, at, at Real Madrid. Mm. Well, I think what I find quite interesting about that is that they've, they've recruited within La Liga. And that's quite, you know, it's a, you know, look at Dani Alves, for example, Sevilla's best player. They bought him, they've signed him, and they've, they've taken him to the next level. Like Rakitic was Sevilla's best player again. They've Barcelona yeah. picked him up and he's, Taking himself to the next level, you know, obviously was the, the fulcrum of that side, you know, playing a, a 4 2 he was the sort of the man behind the striker, creating, scoring goals, and now he's playing a functional role. But I think that's credit to both him and Barcelona that he can adjust and he can adapt himself and become that sort of shuttle other person that can defend as well as attack and cover Lionel Messi's yeah. position. You know, him over the last sort of 12, 15 months has been one of the most interesting transitions of a footballer that you'll see in world football right now. You know, going from a, a playmaker to a hard worker is fascinating, but then still has the technical skills to. You know, getting to the penalty area in the Champions League final opened the scoring last season. What a goal that was. Very much like you, Dave. <laughs> Very much so, mate. You know, always transitioning. Always, always transitioning. transitioning. Is, he, is he eating beans? Is he eating sausage? He's transitioning across the plate. Nobody knows. <laughs> do you, have you got, do you Ooh, get beans scrambled. and sausage on a, on a Mediterranean breakfast, Dave? No, nothing, mate. Just halloumi. I've got a bit of a halloumi fan at the moment. Bit of avocado. Oh, really, Dave? Bit of avocado on there. A little bit of avocado, yeah. It's, it's all coming together. Love it. Dave, describe your plate. What, what, have you got, what have you got there, Dave? Describe your plate. What have you got? So we've got some halloumi. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, a bit of avocado. Yeah. A little bit of a salad. Um, oh. Some jam. Some, like, chilli jam, which is quite Unusual. interesting. Okay, right, yeah. Well, you know, the usual. Some raspberry but jam. People <laughs> don't want to hear about my breakfast, Lawrence. They want to hear about football. Dave, people are interested <laughs> in you. And Speaking I of which, tweet Dave now, hashtag I am the breakfast. I am the breakfast. Um, Robert says, at Martial the God, he says, Dave, will Manchester United spend big again this summer? Spending big for him equals 100 million plus. And do you think Arsenal can still win the league? So let's go for the first part. Will Manchester United spend big again this summer, Dave? I think they're going to be, you know, they need two centre-backs, they need two central midfielders, they need a striker, they need, potentially if De Gea goes, they need a goalkeeper. So, yeah, they're going to, they need to spend absolutely, they need to spend massive money again, which is a disgrace of what the club's been doing over the last few years. You know, that, two, that quarter of a billion that everyone talks about, where's that gone? You know, Ander Herrera, that's a very much a, a player that gets a lot of hype, but look at his contribution, he's not in the side consistently, so there's something going wrong there. So it's it's interesting, like Fellaini, thirty-seven million or whatever it was, and one matter the same about the same price. Like, who's who's sort of making these moves and making these decisions for players that to not fit the system? When Mourinho comes in, Fellaini, matter, now they'll be out the door. But then 
who's thinking in the long term? That's where this uh, director of football coming in from Atletico Madrid that's rumoured to be joining with Mourinho is going to be quite interesting because he signed a lot of talented South American players. You know, look at Hammers, not Hammers, sorry, Jose Jimenez. Look at and, uh, Angel Carrera. A lot of very, very good players. You know, Griezmann picked up from Sociedad. So it's, it's an exciting time for Manchester United if they get Mourinho. And I think it's Bertra, the... Um, director of football that's been linked so yeah. mm. it's going to be interesting but I think there's there's a lot of recruitment Mourinho needs a spine and the United don't have a spine at the moment they've got a, it's like they've if they got a spine it could be a really really good side look at uh, Memphis Depay and Martial that is mouth-watering on the counter-attack so it's they're, they're, they're close to being there but then yeah they need a lot of money still which is mental the second part of Robert's question there is asking can Arsenal still win the league of course they can, Robert. Um, I don't think they are, though, guys. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but this title's Leicester's to lose. Arsenal nine points behind now. We've got uh, eight games to go. Arsenal have a game in hand. But Leicester have lost three games all season. Arsenal have won three what... in their last ten. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I think, Le- I think it's Leicester's now. It is Leicester's. Now, this is a classic Tottenham fan. Every single Tottenham fan I speak to, when you go, are you going to win the league? They sort of like yeah. curl up into a ball and cry. No, it's, it's quite I'm... amusing to... Mentality, Dave. Men. I, uh, <laughs> cr- I, I would not cry about it. I'm absolutely delighted that we, like at the start of the season... But will you win the league? No, I don't think we... Um, really, I do Why? not think we'll win the league. We've got some. We've got tough games coming up. I'm not confident about Ooh. playing Liverpool today. Um, we've still got Chelsea to play. We've still got Manchester United to play. I think our games are too tough. Um, yeah. For us to close that five-point gap on Leicester, I'm not. But like I said, I'm not crying about it. Leicester. Absolutely deserves. Sounds a bit like you're crying about it. No, right. <laughs> I think Leicester's like clean sheet record since the turn of the year has been unbelievable. Exactly. Like they've defended like absolute champions. They really have. They and that's the big thing you've got to take away. They they do at the moment they do deserve them. Tottenham best. You know they've conceded the fewest goals in the Premier League. They've scored the most. Harry Kane looks like a man in form right now. And that's, you know, it's good to have that. You know, you see Jamie Vardy, potentially people have worked him out. Harry Kane has a lot more faces than Jamie Vardy in a way where he's, you know, that turn against Germany in the penalty area, that was absolute class. I don't feel Jamie Vardy's got that. He just has that pace. He just has that raw finishing. So it's going to be, it's basically going to be who's, will Mahrez and Vardy keep nicking those one nils until the end of the season? Or is it going to be a Christian Fuchs set piece that Wes Morgan heads in? You know, I think Tottenham have got more variation in their attack. They've got Christian Eriksen that can deliver a great ball. Um, they've got Lamella that could potentially unlock a defence in the time. They've got a lot more depth. Deli Alley obviously running in behind. So it's going to be fascinating. I have to still, I've got a feeling it's Leicester may, may still go. Obviously, we said it all year that Leicester are going to fall out, but it's still... <laughs> That's what I mean. Everyone said that all year. If, if, only we had, if only we had a complex system of where we could make the teams play each other throughout a long time mm. to find out who's the best team. If only we had a way of doing that. You're talking about football manager, Lawrence? Uh, no, I was just talking about the, the league game. Yeah. So, um, Leicester are playing Southampton tomorrow, though. Um, Southampton, obviously, on good form in recent weeks, but you'd expect Leicester to win. Uh, they've got does United... their manager have a sausage named after him? Ooh, no. They have got United. Have you heard Ranieri's had a sausage named after him? Yeah, he didn't, he didn't like it, though, did he? He's too garlicky for him, he says. <laughs> after all that. That's what I love. He's garlicky, like, mate. Oh, no. Oh, um, no. Rubbing no, 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 Here's a good question for you, Lawrence. Harry said, why has Bournemouth safety gone unnoticed considering it's proved so many people wrong about their chances of survival? I think there have been some other bigger falls than what Bournemouth have had. So people sort of look at it in relative terms. Um, It's also that they don't have a particularly bombastic manager. They don't have, uh, you know, they're, they're almost a little too 
presentably nice, if you like. Everyone in England sort of thinks of Bournemouth and they sort of go, oh, yeah. And so, you know, it's incredibly impressive what they've done, but there have also been some massive fallaways this season. You know, if Sunderland had performed to their potential, great. If Newcastle had performed to their potential, great. If Aston Villa had not had this massive collapse, you know, you'd be looking at Bournemouth closer to that area. So I think uh, people are looking at it in relative terms, basically. Um, and Bournemouth uh, come up have been incredibly impressive in the way they've uh, basically executed exactly what they wanted to do. Um, and not only that, but they've done it in the face of adversity of losing their main striker at the beginning of the season, losing a number of players at the beginning of the season. Mm. Um, and then managing in January to just about pull it together. Um, so it, I, I think don't the think it's gone unnoticed, though. Especially it's just sort of less... Notice. I think it's the money they spent in January. Right? They spent, I think, they spent the most in the Premier League, or up there with you know the side yeah, that they brought in a True Bay, a Faux yeah. Bay. But, but I, still I, think, this, that, I think that's, that's why it's been good. a bit. I, I understand that it's great recruitment. They've signed some really good players, like Max Grail that they bought at the start of the season. What what a good player he is now when he's back from injury. But it's, I think that's probably why because we've kind of seen this capitalism model in a way taken over football. And when teams like Bournemouth that do spend quite a bit of cash in Jan do it we sort of forget that oh they've you know there's still a, a manager that's getting all these players to play well together there's still a lot of players that are over overperforming like charlie daniels has been one of the best left backs in the premier league this season so it's just yeah. it's, it's kind of i feel that we forget that it's not Leicester. i think leicester city have kind of blown the everything up really you know what i mean like potentially last season if there wasn't leicester city we'd be talking about bournemouth right now but mm. at the moment we're sort of everyone's raving about leicester city and we're forgetting the accomplishments of Eddie Howe and what he's done. He is obviously with the cash. I mean, that's the big thing with Eddie Howe. He's always cash. had cash at this Bournemouth time. In League One, he had the most money. In the Championship, he had the most money. And in the Premier League, he's had got a decent spend. So again, you've got to credit him for his achievements. But then there's also that little factor that he has spent money. He is yeah, but I mean, he's he's not spent he's not spent the same as some other teams. You know, he's he's not he's not spent sort of you know he's not spent Liverpool money or Man City money and sort of just just did up the wall. Yeah. Very true. Um, interesting question here from Chris at C Pass Charlie. He said, "What can stop Neuer being called one of the greatest goalkeepers of all time?" Um, yeah. It's interesting, with Neuer. That, yeah, but it's interesting, with Neuer, that you know, for Bayern Munich, the league title was almost seen as a given. You know, it's almost expected that they should be winning that almost every year. So, yeah. I think for Neuer to be among one of the greatest goalkeepers of all time. He's going to have to win more uh, titles internationally. You know, they've already got the World Cup if they win the Euros, if they do back-to-back Germany. That'd be very impressive. And more European Cups, I think. If Neuer can be part of a Bayern Munich team that uh, win a number of European Cups, I think, you know, it's undoubted it'll be among the greatest. But because the league is seen as such a given, I think the other um, titles that he needs to win uh, will go towards justifying that more. Um, longevity, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, goal, you know, goalkeepers have to finish their career strong. Look at what happened with Casillas and the way that he was sort of unceremoniously uh, kicked out of mm. Real Madrid because of the way that they treated him. Um, and whereas Buffon has had this sort of graceful glide into everything else, even though he was part of a side that got relegated, etc. Here's a good question again from Ollie at Ollie Shep ninety seven. Dave, what should slash will happen to Yaya Torre? I hope he leaves in the summer. The lazy shit. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's brutal, that. You know? Tell us how you really feel. You know, he's getting it on. His legs are going. Um, but for the Premier League, probably we've seen this season where his, his impact's been a lot less than it has in recent years. How he's uh, fading in and out of games. So I feel that 
someone like Italy would be good for him. You know, linking up with Roberto Mancini again at Inter Milan would be perfect. You know, they they struggle with a maverick at times to break teams down. Defensively, they're very very strong, but going forward, they don't create enough chances. They they struggle to break teams down that sit deep. So bringing someone like Yaya Torre, who has that X factor, has that you know the sort of ankle bone free kick or the you know we've seen some so many lovely curly shots with both his left and his right foot that have won City game. So Italy seems like the perfect place for Yaya. Our place is a bit slower tactically more diverse, tactically better than England, but it, it would suit Yaya down to a tee to sort of mm. see his career out and, uh, you know, maybe win another league title with Inter Milan because they're building something that's quite nice there. If they can keep Icardi in the summer, mm. um, keep Handanovic, yeah, why not? Tasty. Um, Frederick Hallestrom. Oh, that's a question. Oh. Lawrence, how is Martinez not getting any shit? Roberto Martinez. From who? Because he's definitely getting shit from Everton fans. I think, yes, he is. But I think he's he's not getting, at the moment, it doesn't seem like he's getting the wider criticism that perhaps yeah. he is earning himself. Because, again, it, it, I think a lot of people uh, are struggling to see why uh, a lot of teams are underperforming this season. You know, Chelsea are only three points out of Everton. Um, I know that Mourinho got sacked but he's had a bigger budget to spend than I did, uh, Martinez I know Liverpool are only I think that's uh, they, even more damning uh, <laughs> in well I think what's even more damning is that Chelsea are just three points behind Liverpool um, and you know we're obviously you know Liverpool obviously at some point rated Brendan Rodgers and now rate Jurgen Klopp but Liverpool find themselves ninth in the table behind Stoke by two points but then only behind Manchester United by six so you know if, if we're talking about the gap between, uh, you know, Arsenal and Leicester being unbridgeable, but also that Arsenal are possibly still in the title race numerically, then Everton is still very much within the race for the top four, if you want to put it like that. Because, <laughs> you know, Manchester United have only got 51 points. Manchester City have only got 51 points. Manchester United have only got 50. So th- because a number of sides are underachieving, basically makes Martinez not underachieving the same way. Mm. Free, free crazy like you, you think of you think of resource as well at least you know that United and City yeah. have spent both mm. of them spent over 100 million in the summer Leicester City uh, what 16 points ahead of United 15 points ahead of City City outspent Leicester City by 125 million and they outspent United outspent Leicester City by 75 million yeah they're you know massively behind them in but the league if that's sustainable then that then that's great if they can continue to spend the, the same level of money and, and continue to do that then that that will be a massive achievement um, you know beyond what they've already achieved. It's also, Adam, that I think he should be getting shit because, mm. you know, uh, Lukaku uh, just alone has been a tour de force, but I think now the noises he's making are that he wants to move away. Yeah, I think when the dust settles at the end of the season, I think Roberto Martinez is going to get a lot of flack. And I think he's in for a hard time, especially if Lukaku does end up leaving in the summer next year. It's going to be a, a tough year for Everton, especially when they should have performed better this season. Um, and uh, I like this question a lot from Graham Cumberbatch as well. Lovely name, I love it. Uh, US Pro Sports Leagues give out our most improved player award each year. Should the Premier League have one, and who would be your pick this season? For me, ob- obviously, you know, you got to look at Jamie Vardy and Mares, but also Wes Morgan, the Leicester captain. I remember seeing him last season and thinking, bloody hell, this guy, you know, he's not cut out for the Premier League. And now he's incredible under Ranieri. The improvement's been uh, sensational. Uh, who mm. would your pick be, Lawrence? Good question. Um, Most improved I, player. I wouldn't want to go down the sort of James. I wouldn't want to go down the Leicester route. Mm. Um, although you, you know, because you know, um, could I go for someone like? 
a back line, kind of middle. You can't really go with Deli Ali, can you? Because he's not he's not had that relative <sighs> improvement. Yeah. It, it, when when they say improved, they mean they had to played in the league the previous season. I think we should we should go by yeah they they were playing in the league the previous season and that's the yardstick of uh, their improvement. Who would, I, who would? Well, I think I definitely you look at the last defence as a unit. At I would Robert Hoot. Hoot. say. Ooh, Robert Hoot. Yeah, yeah thank you. you. That's a good one. Dave, who's your shout? Um, I think you know Leicester City. You can't look past them. Um, I think Wes Morgan is a great example because he's someone that really struggled playing in a back two last season under Pearson and then when they switched to back three he really came alive and he's continued that form this season so I think that you can't look past the Leicester City player I'm just trying to think of someone else in the league that's potentially come up like Man United there's no one there Liverpool you'd say there's probably nobody there for Spurs um, I'd Arsenal say. no one there Spurs you know Spurs you've got Eric Dyer would be probably Dyer. Be that player there I went know. to see a game at White Lane last season Could you go West Ham? was shocking and I was like you know <laughs> I couldn't believe how bad he was. And then this season, obviously, the move into midfield uh, has been a revelation, really, for Spurs. Moussa Dembele really as well. It's sort of like the British, or the British, the English Sergio Busquets. That's, you know, that's how Ooh, I would be That's high praise like, indeed from Scorga Day. It is, yeah. Like, <laughs> the way he reads the game, the way he moves the ball, it's, it's refreshing to see. You know, again, coming from Sporting Lisbon, I think that, that move over there with his family did him the world of good because he has that continental style about him. And I feel that potentially that's something that we're missing in terms of coaching in the UK. But definitely Eric Dyer could be up there. Christian Eriksen, maybe. But then I suppose he was pretty good last season as well. Again, continue that form. Harry Kane as well. You know, only Martin Noble. more goals in the last two seasons. Martin Noble. Uh, I think Martin Noble was pretty good. I don't, again, I'm not a massive fan of Martin Noble. I, I like him. I understand what he does. But for me, I like midfielders that... You know, the Paul Scholes type midfielder that's going to run the game for you. I feel Mark Noble's too much of a... He'll play a sideways pass and it'll keep the game moving, but he won't take control of it. But he's still yeah. a very, very talented player. Guys. And then you look further down and, and the players that you would have hoped would have gone on to improve this season, the Aston Villas, Newcastle, Sunderland, Norwich, maybe even Crystal Palace, have not kicked on enough. And those players are the guys that you normally give that award to. Could you go... There's not really anyone at Southampton either, is there, that's particularly improved to a level where you could say you're amazing? Um, I think, like, obviously, Pella's been in and out of the of, of form. He's banging form again. It was really good form at the start of the season. Someone like Sado Mane has, again, has had really good form. And then it seems like he loves playing against Liverpool. You know, super performances against Liverpool this season have been amazing. So it'd be interesting to see if you go in the summer. Um, Bertram was better last year, I thought, yeah, because he's been injured yeah. this year for a bit. And maybe exactly. I really like Virgil van Dijk, but then again, he's not. It's not the improvement yeah. of him because he's come from Celtic and he was really good at Celtic. But I think he's a. I'd say he was up there with one of the best centre backs in the league. Gents, I we think have... we're going to go uh, Marco Royce. Yeah, good shot, <laughs> gents. We've got five minutes left. Let's do a little quick fire round. One question each. Great. Twenty seconds max. Dave, I'm going to come oh. to you first. Oh. Brad H M C F C Brad Hensley on Twitter. Thoughts on Americ Laporte to City after yesterday's reports from the reliable app Di Marizio. Um, he's got a broken ankle, so I can't really see that happening in the summer. Uh, you're not going to pass the medical with a broken ankle, so I don't think it's going to happen. Wow, that was even quicker than 20 seconds. Well, wow, that that was um, that was quick and that was fire. Well done. On dude. a sixpence, Lawrence asks, what Thanks, does guys. Villa need to become a stable Premier League team in the future? Uh, what do Villa need? Mm, maybe a new owner. Uh, I think they need. I think they need uh, a better round of investment. I think they need to come back up. I think they need to do very much what Newcastle did for a little while. Um, you know, accept the position, go down, come straight back up. It's very difficult once you're down there to go up again. You know, they don't want to become a yo-yo club. They need to become more consistent. 
So mm -hmm. it's about consistency for them and consistent investment um, is going to be hard to come by under this Randy Lerner um, regime, if that's how you want to put it. Because he tried it a few years ago and then it just didn't come off. Mm. Another good question from Graham Cumberbatch, Dave. Is Gignac's Mexican renaissance changing Europeans' perception of lesser non-Euro leagues and how they can impact one's career? I think it's a, it's a really interesting move, obviously, moving from Marseille. You know, they didn't offer him a new deal, uh, potentially wanted too much money, but he's top scorer over in Mexico and he looks, you know, back in the national team. It's quite interesting that, uh, you know, you usually see a European team, a European national side wouldn't pick a player that's not playing in Europe, but Gignac, you know, is perfect foil to, for Giroud in a way, very similar strikers. You'd say Gignac's probably maybe a little bit more clinical when it, with his finishing. Giroud obviously misses a lot of chances from time to time but yeah it's, it's good and hopefully the profile of these leagues goes up you know we see china we see mexico we see the a league um, in australia so it's it football's a global game and it's the more global it gets in a way the better for everybody because i'm going to see an emergence of more talent uh, and more people around the world be able to like you know so forth so i think it's a good thing and i think yeah it will bring the profile of the especially the mexican league up a thousand percent having someone like Gignac over there and doing well and sort of embracing the culture, which is, is great to see. Mm, that was more like a minute than 20 seconds, but I'll allow it. Mm. Um, Michael right. Filetti says, do you think the international break could hurt Leicester's momentum? What do you reckon? Probably not, no. Um, other teams, they maybe claim that, but uh, I, I just feel like that, you know, that Jane Vardy went away and had a good time. I actually yeah. don't know how Maras did on the international break. Um, you know, Robert Huth probably enjoyed watching Germany. So, <laughs> you know, it was, it must have been a good international break for these guys. Exactly. Basically, all the teams within, basically, all the players within that team sort of play a bit part in their international teams, but not enough of a role that they're sort of, if they lose, it's like, oh, you were the reason. So it's, it, you know, they're basically all returning from a lovely little uh, international jaunt. Mm. Quick fire Dave at Hamam M says, What went wrong for Klopp last season at Dortmund? We've been through this. System incorrect, attacked down the fullbacks, they were broken on, the teams would sit deep and just counter attack, and they'd score goals against players like Matt Hummels and Subatic who were, couldn't defend in wide areas. Mm. Dave, should we just make a video about this and put it on the front three? So yeah, I think we should do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's refer to the video <laughs> every time. Yeah. We just go, just go watch the video, mate. Um, uh, Dave explains it there. What do you think, uh, Lawrence? Do you yeah. think a team made up of Northern Ireland, Wales, and Scottish players would be able to beat England? Asks at Alex United fifty. Are we talking about on their day, or are we talking about um, when the peak? Sort of just, Everyone's in know, the peak of their form. They're in peak fitness. Thursday night, the Europa League's finished, Lawrence. All the yeah. lads have been training all week. They're pumped yeah. for the game. They're psyched yeah. up. They're motivated. Yeah. They're ready to go. What do you reckon? England 3-0. <laughs> um, I think uh, <laughs> that's the problem is it's sort of like England on their day play, you know, are we talking about England? Okay, are we talking England versus Germany or England versus Holland? Um, <laughs> Even England versus Holland, that goal was a good goal. We're you talking sort of watch peak it and like, England. Peak, peak England. England. I think peak England will win it. Um, mm. Just because, you know, you've got yes. peak Vardy, peak Kane. You know, you've got inform Kane, inform Vardy. Oh, all-round sort of, team. They've got an all-round team. Say. The question, though, Lawrence, will they get into your ultimate team? Well, Dave, that's a big question. You're right. Um, Is I think, the chemistry there? 
Is it, how much chem do you think England have got when they're on? I think when they're on one hundred, what have they got? They got one hundred percent because all English according to this game. Exactly. Um, listen, the final question this week is another Which question. Bale, by, uh, Northern uh, Ireland. How much chem is that? Zero. Uh, Alex United fifteen. Another question from him, Dave. The final question this week. Quick fire. What do you think about McNair playing midfield where he played for Northern Ireland last week? Dave has I th- gone. I think Dave has actually gone. Um, <laughs> really? I think Dave sort of went. I need to pay. Uh, I'm going to go and pay. The thing about recording with Dave O'Brien is he will drop out of the call every single time on Skype. It doesn't matter if he's on his phone, if he's on his laptop. <laughs> his laptop usually overheats. Uh, his phone goes off. Dave, what was the dropout reason that time? Um, I don't know why that dropped did, out. Did your phone overheat? No, not this time, mate. The internet connection overheated. Overheated. I think Adam's having a cheeky little bit of. No, oh. I wouldn't dream of it. A little thing. bit. Of did your phone know, overheat, Dave? Did your phone overheat? I wouldn't dream of it. Uh, Dave, I was asking you, what do you think about Paddy McNair playing midfield for Manchester United? Because that's where he played for Northern Ireland last week, says Alex United 15. Yeah, I think with Paddy McNair, it's, I really like him as a player. I quite like to see him at right back more than central midfield. I feel like he potentially needs to learn. A bit more before he goes into central midfield. I feel like right back would be a good good position for him. Obviously, modern football, right backs get a lot of the ball. I think he attacks well, and it's just interesting to see United struggle going forward. Whenever Paddy McNair's played, would be in the League Cup, be in the FA Cup under Lou Van Gaal. He's looked very, very good going forward. But I think right back over central midfield for me. But he could definitely play there in the future. Boo! And that brings an end to this weekend's Q and A podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you Lawrence good to see you as well Adam thanks for coming out and you Dave as well it's been a it's been an honor to have you speaking from the cafe to us we got the 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 chat about the Mediterranean breakfast we got the football chat I love it thank you Dave has he dropped out again are you kidding me (laughs) you're actually kidding me good man Dave (laughs) also before we go happy birthday Teddy Sheringham Oh yeah, happy birthday, Teddy. 50th birthday, Spurs legend, Manchester United legend. If Dave was here, he could say a few words, but he's not. So on that note... I've met Teddy, he's a lovely guy. Thank you very much. Nice guy, yeah. Although there was that time he joined Twitter and then uh, thought he was messaging girls and actually just tweeted them all very publicly. All right, babe, not seen you in a long time. We could go out for drinks soon. And there's just a timeline full of, all right, babe, all right, babe, all right, babe. Classic Terry. Uh, on that note, thank you very much for listening to this weekend's The Front Three. Enjoy your Classico and enjoy your weekend. We'll see you on Wednesday.